for this morning that we can come together and can gather around your word once again. Uh, we thank you that we can learn what you have to say to us from your word, that we can be shaped and molded and transformed by it, that we can be built up in our faith, and that we can be brought to be more faithful worshipers of you, those who love God with all our heart, with all our mind, our soul, and our strength, and that are moved in that direction by what we hear, and we pray that that would be the case this morning. We also pray for those that are learning the word of God around us, from those who are quizzing and reviewing, to those uh, kids in Sunday school who are learning more about who you are and what you've done in history. We pray that you would make this whole morning a time of bringing great glory to your name. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, welcome everybody this morning. For, uh, for this morning, we're going to take a brief detour. We have been learning about the government, uh, the government and the Christian life for a few weeks now, but uh, we want to have a, just a, a one-week detour. Uh, most of you know, maybe even all of you know, we have a, uh, a program that we uh, work together with that is for training men, uh, equipping them in the word for, uh, for ministering at home, in the church, called Shepherd's Institute, and uh, as part of that, sometimes they will put together a project and a lesson and uh, learn how to bring the word of God together. Um, one of the guys that went through this last year is Jesse Oglesby. You guys know Jesse, uh, and he, uh, he had the privilege and the opportunity and put in the work to put together a lesson from 1 Timothy chapter 1. And so I, after having heard that in class a few months ago, uh, wanted him to be able to share that with you guys as well. And so I uh, wanted you to be able to hear that, to be taught by the word, to, to uh, enable him to have the opportunity to use that not only kind of in a, a test setting, in a learning setting, but also to be able to bless and to minister to the church through that. So Jesse's here this morning to teach the class from 1 Timothy chapter 1. So if you would give him your attention and uh, humble your hearts before the word as always, Jesse is going to come up and he is going to bring the word of God to us this morning. So Jesse, if you would come. graduating at 17 people. <laughs> so, anyhow, through God's grace, saving me, and through the grace of God, I'm here. 
Hello? 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 <laughs> okay. So, uh, my presentation is going to be on the importance of the truth of God. And go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 1 through 5. So my first point will be, who is Paul? My second point, who is Timothy? And third, what is the task at hand? So I'll read the text. God's word here this morning. Okay, getting instructions on how to use microphones. <laughs> so I started in, or so I ended up getting to 1 Timothy 1 through seeing lots of stuff that I really loved through the letters to Timothy. And through that, I finally picked out one every time I picked out one, I realized there was a therefore before the thing that I was looking to talk about. And so I kept going further and further ahead. And finally I decided, okay, I'm just going to start at the beginning. So in 1 Timothy, verse 1 says... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, point number one, who is Paul? Does anybody have any thoughts when we say Paul? Who is Paul to you? Does anything stand out? What's that? Author? Yeah.
Yeah. So author, author of 14 letters in the New Testament. Apostle, apostle to the Gentiles specifically. Church planner, yeah. very zealous man and he was all in all into his religion as we'll talk about here in just a minute so to start out here I'm going to jump over and read a long skit from uh, 2nd Corinthians 11 23 through 30 so if you all want to turn over there with me, that's all right. <clears throat> and while you're turning there, I'll explain why I'm going to go here, because it's a condensed uh, and full explanation of who Paul is, I think, and pointing out his zeal and his slave-like service to Christ. And he's in the Corinthians letter. He's actually trying to explain or trying to declare who he is to the Corinthians to declare his authority giving God's word. He starts out in verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received From the Jews, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. I have spent... A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys. In dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers from the city, dangers from the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among my false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is lit? (coughs) 
is led into sin. Without my intense concern, if I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. And so this gives us a, a good overview of the things that he went through. And I'd argue even these shipwrecks and cold and exposure are uh, opposition to him sharing the word because of the devil bringing about situations to to oppose. I think that's why Paul Paul's pointing these things out in his declaration of him being a servant of Christ. <clears throat> and who was Paul before this? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Talked a little bit about his zeal even before he was a Christian. Pharisee of Pharisees, yeah. He was well trained in the Jewish religion, the elite of the Jewish law. Professional persecutor, yeah. That's what, that's the thing that I've uh, come up with. From his own mouth, he said he was a blasphemer, a persecutor. A persecutor of the church, pursuing followers of Christ to the ends of the earth. To, to persecute, to imprison, to kill. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Until on the road to Damascus, he declared Jesus when he seen him face to face as Lord. And he acted that way from there on out. In obedience, with zeal, for the glory of God. But even after his being trained by Jesus himself, he was still humble enough to go to the other apostles to discuss with them what is what is the what are the Gentiles to do with the law, the Old Testament law, what are they to do with circumcision? Working these things out. He lived out a life of suffering that was uh, commanded, but first 
uh, going to ask a question by what command is Paul here a, an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the commandment of God our Savior and Christ Jesus what is what command do you think of here in this verse the great commandment go and preach to all the world Matthew 28 yeah is there any other thoughts So I'd actually agree more with Brian here. I think this is actually a command for or from Acts 9 where Ananias is sent to Paul to give him back his sight. And if you recall the account God speaks to Ananias and he's like, uh, I don't know about this one, right? And then God declares to him, uh, let's just read that verse here real quick. God says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So he is an apostle by the command of God to suffer much for his for God's name's sake. Although, as you're, you're pointing out, this was my first thought as well, is the Great Commission. Apostle. Apostle is a word for messenger. So by being a, by sharing the word of God by sharing the good news we're being messengers of God right but the, the word apostle apostolos I believe is the Greek on that uh, is in scripture completely reserved for the apostles and their helpers because we see a few others being called apostles throughout scripture but it's the ones writing the word of God giving new words of God and so by being an apostle by being commanded to be an apostle I believe this is actually 
pointing to the Acts 9 commandment. And then this uh, next little portion here. Uh, God, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. This really seems to be like the backwards from the way we usually think of it. We usually think Jesus Christ is our savior. And God's our hope because Jesus Christ died on the cross and God, you know, he's the guy who runs the show. He's doing everything. But in reality, they're, they're one God. And I think this is just further tying together the Trinity. And it's a beautiful thing to look into the hope that is in Christ Jesus and the salvation that is in God, but we're gonna kind of skim over it a little bit here. And we're gonna move on to uh, the second point, who is Timothy, which happens to be here in verse 2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Now with all this weight, backing up Paul, who he was, his character, he, he goes on to include Timothy with himself, our Savior, our hope. Just before he claims Timothy as his very own child in the faith, can you imagine the overwhelming, incomprehensible thought growing up to be like Paul? Remember what we just read in 2 Corinthians. Could you imagine like thinking and comprehending the fact that, yeah, I'm probably going to go through stuff like this. not just a child, but a true child in the faith. A true recreation replica of Paul himself. A man who proved his character again and again to Paul from probably having a large biblical knowledge because of Paul's comment about his mother and grandmother instructing him. Therefore, Paul wanted him to carry on his work. Paul mentions uh, Timothy's name in nine out of the 14 letters that Paul wrote and God preserved 
as Holy Scripture, all of which are of good report and some flattering like this one. And my third point, what is the task at hand? Now for this, we are going to give a quick definition of what is faith, because faith is the foundation of all that is being said in this next section. And then talk about the means by which the task will be accomplished in the task itself. So, anybody got a definition of faith for me? Yeah, the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what's not seen. That's a good one. It's going to be hard to beat that. Faith, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of times these days we use the faith word as like I have faith in this and that and we're we're usually basing it off of at least some uh, reality of we actually trust this but sometimes yeah we can have faith in something that's not that trustworthy not as trustworthy as we hoped and so, like, we can have faith. I can have faith that this stage is going to hold me up, right? Even though it's just some wood. And one day, it'll rot away, and it won't be, I shouldn't have faith in it. <laughs> but today, it's holding. But God's word never rots. We can always trust in it. And... So we can have faith in other things, but faith in God is always going to hold up. If we're basing our faith on what he has said, if we're basing our faith in reality, and trusting him completely. And anybody have any answers of what is not faith?
So you can <laughs> sorry. So you can act. So you can do the right things, but not be having the faith. Yeah. You can also say you have faith in God, but not act like you have faith. If I was standing on these bricks up here, and I said I have faith on this in this stage, this wooden floor back here to hold me up, would you actually believe me if I wouldn't step on it? <laughs> Probably not. So we need to act in obedience, as he was pointing out, to the things that we see. When God's word says, do this, we should do it. We should walk in it. Then, by what means does Paul give for Timothy to do the things that He's asking him to do the task at hand. It's here in verse 2. Anybody see it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need God's grace as a gift. Timothy here, and we also, in our walks with Christ, need grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The grace to do what is needed, as he is pointing out, and to have what is needed, mercy, to cover any lacking or sin and peace to not lose our mind in the battle that is called life but then who does this grace mercy and peace come from none other than God the Father the eternal God almighty everlasting creator what father gives bad gifts 
and Christ Jesus, our Lord, King, Leader, Shepherd, Overseer, Wonderful Counselor, and Prince of Peace. What wise Lord or ruler does not want what is best for his people? Now we're going to talk about the task at hand, what Timothy needs to do with this grace, mercy, and peace. And in verse five, three through five, he says, as I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor to pay attention to myths and the endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So at some point, uh, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus when he was going to Macedonia. Although our minds probably go straight to the Macedonian vision when the Spirit was stopping Paul from going to multiple different places. But it would probably not fit very well because that was the second missionary journey and the first time he went through the area of, of Asia where it was one of the places that the Spirit stopped him from going to there in that uh, mission. So Ephesus was in Asia, so it's probably not that journey, but a later one. Anyhow, all of these things that we've been talking about before is to back up Timothy for the all-out war that was left to him in Ephesus that he must battle through. I call this an all-out war because stopping bad doctrine, myths, and speculations is not as simple as the nuke-them-all solution that we all want it to be. Instead, it is a battlefield speckled with friend and foe, all about and enemies in the business of guerrilla warfare, even trying to defect friends to foes. The fact is that it's complicated. Someone can be a believer, a friend, and maybe even believe in heresy because that's the only thing that they have been taught. Or they had a worldview before becoming a Christian that, that gave them a wrong mindset. That still needs to be changed. Anybody 
run into any of these situations with friends or acquaintances? So still believing that we should still be experiencing the things that we're seeing in Acts and in the Gospels. Yeah. And usually they'll admit that it's not, it doesn't actually fit the degree. They're usually saying, well, it's not always right and stuff like that. Yeah. So sometimes if we see somebody that has believed in the truth, then they start moving the other way. And they start moving to bad doctrines or even heresies. And that's a much more dangerous place than do you have if you have a friend that's just been saved and they believe in this strange thing. Anybody else have any thing that they want to share experiences? Yeah, these, <clears throat> yeah, these things are getting into, yeah, when you have the situation where somebody believes something that it's not in line with scripture, where you have to figure out, like, where are they? Where are they actually at? And the elders here, I've seen and heard of different situations where it seems like they're very keen on trying to focus in on what is the real problem here. And the reality is we, we can't just tell someone you're, you're dumb for believing this. Because a lot of times they have some Bible verse somewhere that's supporting it or that they think is supporting it anyhow. And so we have to teach them why that's wrong, teach them why the other thing is right. And as uh, Paul says to Timothy here, he's telling them, telling him to teach or to instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. And then he goes on to say, 
our instruction is but the goal of our instruction our command is love from a pure heart and so we need to instruct we need to teach if you just don't get me wrong sometimes it's right to just say hey this is wrong when you don't have enough when you don't have actually have the time with somebody you meet somebody on the street and you end up sharing the gospel with them or something or something comes up I'm not saying that it's wrong to say something's wrong there but in somebody where you have more time with you can try and teach them through out of the bad doctrine into the right doctrine because the conscience is bound up in this thing if they're going against their conscience and just blindly following you then it could be doing more damage as far as damaging their conscience yeah Yeah, and there a lot of times it's it's a hermeneutics issue. They they kind of just go around and pick and choose what they 
life, the different things that they hear, and apply it to whatever, instead of sticking to their hermeneutics, the way they study the Bible and making sure that they're not just picking and choosing whatever they want, but they're following reason, logic. As we, as Paul says here, the command of uh, our command is love from a pure heart and a good conscience. He's pointing to the pointing to the mind. fact is that in our lives some things are commanded for us to do or not to do and many things we have to determine what is what to do through precepts understanding of what God would like best from his word so that we can So we can come to different working outs in our lives. If one person is following, I'm thinking of this precept over here of like, say, being nice. It's good to be nice, right? But is it good to be nice or to step on this person's toes and tell them that they're lost? Sometimes we have to do carry out the command of God rather than just following a precept. The precept isn't being, it's not going against the command is what I'm trying to say. Not if we're applying the precepts correctly. good news is that God can save us even with bad doctrine and we see this in the story of Samson when the word of God was not taught everyone did what was right in their own eyes but Samson did believe the word of God that was given to him about him uh, being the one to overcome the Philistines. Other than, other than his desire to carry this out, the rest of his life is highly discouraging as far as his following the will of God, as I'm sure most of us can recall from his uh, story. But in uh, Hebrews eleven thirty two, he is labeled in the hall of faith. He believed God. 
Now, we can all declare that his lack of understanding of the rest of the word of God, or his lack of knowing the rest of the word of God, <clears throat> however that was, definitely caused a lot of grief in his life, right? He went through some real hard times. But he believed in God that he was supposed to be the one to um, overcome the Philistines. And that belief allowed him to take down the pillars of the temple and, and take out more than he killed in all the wars that he fought before, even with the jawbone of a donkey. So why is it important to, or to Paul that bad doctrine be stopped? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Yeah, when we see there before the furthering the administration of God, what does he say before that? About speculations, giving rise to speculation. When we see something giving rise to speculation, then that should be a red flag. Wait a minute. What's going on? If it's furthering the administration of God, then we should be encouraged, which is by faith, believing the word of God. So is Paul just wanting to stop bad doctrine because it's not right doctrine? Yeah.
Yeah, bad, bad doctrine doesn't just, isn't just wrong, but it has consequences for doing or believing. If we're believing something wrong, then we're also doing something wrong because of that belief. And so some bad doctrine for some people may not affect them that much because they don't actually carry out that much action on the bad doctrine, perhaps, but ultimately it's causing problems. And so we need to be diligent to know the word of God and to walk in his truth. The Oh, yeah, I do want to go back to the story about Samson. Like, I've, I know I've struggled with that for years. <laughs> it's a hard one. Going through Hebrews, how did his name get in here? Does not make sense. He could not be saved. <laughs> but I just, every time I read through Hebrews, I was convicted that this is... God is saying that he had faith in him. And so eventually I had to, I felt like I had to accept that he was saved. And due to the fact that the word was not taught and everybody just did what was right in their own eyes, he, he just did not do very well as far as walking in God's ways. But he did, thing that he did know, believed and walked in on the other hand we have Saul who did many things even great things in the will of God and yet his disobedience proved to be his demise because he knew what God had said and yet on multiple occasions he tried to do things opposite of what God had said sometimes even claiming to try and please God. And you remember as a king, they're supposed to write out God's word. So he, he had things on his mind of what God has, had said and told him to do. And he had a prophet of God that specifically told him what to do. So in James 1, 25, I'll just read this to you. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Anyone thinks himself to be rebellious and yet does not bridle his tongue deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. So instructing 
certain men. Sorry, that I read that those verses there just contrasting again Samson with Saul. The believing in God's word and obedience. So instructing certain men not to teach strange doctrine. It's normally not going to be as easy as we think. But instead, as I mentioned earlier, they're using Bible verses. In the same way with the endless genealogies and myths. If they're they're like the strange denominations out there. They're using, they're trying to use Bible verses to lure people in and try and twist them so that they fit their agenda. And how do we know what is what? First off, proper hermeneutics, which involves proper authority structures, that is knowing who and, and what ranks over, oh, I did not realize my time, sorry guys, ranks over who and what, and we'll jump to First Timothy here, and 2.15, being diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So I want to finish this off with uh, but the goal of our command is love from a pure heart pure heart a good conscience and sincere faith. Keeping our minds set on God and what he has for us to do is the things that are going to bring him glory and I just want you all to uh, be encouraged to seek the truth all the more I know I've seen many of you and heard many of you talk and you you strive to do what God wants and you strive for good doctrine I just want you to be encouraged this is, this is the thing that drove Paul to do all that he did this is the thing that drove Timothy to follow in his steps knowing what was coming being with him through so many trials but truth truth is worth 
whatever the, whatever the problems. God's truth is the only truth. You can trust in that. Amen. Sorry for going over on time.